Welcome to Season 2 of Laugh, Land and Eat, hosted by Fabi Nagmi. Fabi is the National Sales Manager for First Option Mortgage, as well as a writer for multiple mortgage magazines. To kick off Season 2, we have put together a panel of experts to share their knowledge on the house and whys of branding. So kick back, take some notes and enjoy the show. All right, guys, we are back for season two of Laugh, London, Eat. And uh, man, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but that 2020 seemed like a couple of years packed into one year, right? So it was like, I'm hoping 2021 comes off a little differently. We'll see. But uh, right now we are kickstarting 2021 off with a panel discussion dedicated to branding. The hows, whys, and please don't do that. Uh, <laughs> right, I'm sure everyone's seen it. So we have three experts on our panelists. We're going to start off with Corey Trujillo. She's a designer and a mortgage, mortgage marketing genius. We got Charlene McWilliams, Senior Director at William Mills Agency, also the host of Can You Hear Me podcast, right? Yes. Am I allowed to say that? Yes, you can. Kind of, maybe. We'll figure it you out. You better hear me. All right. All right. You All better right. hear me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I helped you with that logo. Hey, Peter Van Archwright, CEO of Archwright and host of On Point Podcast, and also the author of a very awesome book that I've been reading called The Powers 10 Factors for Building an Exponentially More Powerful Brand. And a little side note that we were talking about when we started this before we started recording was that Peter was the first guy that actually introduced me to the word branding in like year 2002, I think, 2001. I'd never heard of it before. Peter was asking about branding. I thought he was trying to sell me some baseball caps for my mortgage company. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, come over at the office. Let's take a look at your little you know, brochure book or whatever you got. <laughs> and I didn't know that he was going to become like the Morpheus, you know, give me the blue red pill option that day. So anyway, guys, thank you thank all you. for being on here and welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hope you guys had a good New Year's Eve. Didn't do anything crazy, right? Everyone um, stayed home, right? I was up to like 11.32 and I was, went, to, went to sleep myself. Crazy <laughs> yeah. happening out there? Well, crazy is relative this year. and so. Yeah, <laughs> didn't get too wild. Wait, <laughs> yeah. Corey. So look, I'm going to start off with a really softball question. We're going to go around the horn here, okay? Um, what is branding? You know, we all hear the word branding. You know, I'm a branding expert. I'm a this expert. I'm that kind of branding expert. I'm a brand ambassador. I've heard that word recently. Right. Uh, what is branding, Charlene? What is it? Branding. That is a very good question. And it's different things to different people. It depends on where they are in their business and who they are in their business. It just depends on so many things. But branding in the scheme of public relations is helping you determine who you are to the audience that you want to reach. So say, for instance, you want to sell someone a mortgage and you want to work with different companies in the mortgage industry to be able to do that, you need great business partners. So you're branding yourself to your business partners. You're telling who you are to your business partners. So they say, hey, yeah, I do want to work with them. I do want to provide hmm. them with um, some services that will help them actually close some loans. So, and to the consumers, you're branding yourself to them as well. You're saying who you are and how you can help them. So that's baseline in public relations, what we try to convey to our clients. You're trying to convince people and trying to share who you are. Who are you? And you want to be able to put that together concisely and in a very interesting way. Peter, what about you? I mean, is there a difference of opinion on your side or pretty close? Uh, no, I would say that. And um, branding is the tactical side, the tangible side of what is otherwise fairly intangible. 
which is brand being the rep, your reputation. It's what people say when you're not in the room. And mm. uh, it's, it's actually whether you're a salesperson or a big company, it's the most important asset that you have and you have to manage it. You have to dive in and uh, in our book, we talk about the eight components to build a brand strategy. And we also believe that brand and culture are very related. The culture being the employment brand, brand being the external expression on the outside. I like that. I like that. Corey, brands can, brands can the, be people too. Sorry, Bobby. Brands are people too. I mean, uh, it's not just companies. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, just on a side note real quick, I mean, brands are also feelings, right? I mean, how an employee could feel about a company. Yeah. I mean, right? that, I mean there's a right. lot to the brand. I mean, it's just not one dimensional. Right. It's internal branding. Yeah, exactly. you're right. I also say like that branding is perception. For me, branding is perception and perception is reality. So what do people think about Apple when they hear it? What do people think about, you know, a brand like IBM or something? You know, when something somebody introduces something to you, what are your immediate thoughts? And for me, branding perception is reality. You can appear a lot bigger. You can appear a lot larger, more professional. You Whatever you put out there is what people will begin to think about you. So for me, branding is all about perception. And so that's how I would kind of, you know, Corey, sticking to that, though, I mean, perception changes, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, our reality can change, perception changes, you know what I mean? Something I think is true today may be false tomorrow, right? Exactly. Is that the truth that's why controlling your brand is so important. And you okay. control, like, the perception. Uh, you is... want to make sure you control that perce perception of the audience that you're projecting to. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can do that intangibly and tangibly, like with ads or interviews, things that people read about you based on what you've put out there and the ads that you put out there, you know, the image. Mm. Okay. Peter, what's the benefits of branding? I mean, like, why do, why do, why do, why do I want to do it as a company? Well, it's, um, if you don't do it, someone else would do it for you. Um, <laughs> and, there, there, you know, silence is not an option. Um, I, I think it's, it's common that, that companies will go through the process of refreshing the brand every five to 10 years. And again, when I say brand, I'm really talking about the messaging. Everything else that flows from the messaging is so much easier when you've done the hard work and dove in with your stakeholders, with your employees, with your customers, your good business partners that have done the work of building what that strategy could be in the future. Because it's, it's also very aspirational. If you haven't done that, then it's just arts and crafts. It's pretty logos exactly. and yeah. uh, it's fluffy language that's not authentic to you. So you got to do the hard work. And when you do it, it's just absolutely liberating and it's galvanizing for the employees. So when, when you said like somebody else will do it for you in your power of three, I'm jumping ahead on my questions here, but in your book, Peter, with the power of three, you kind of indicate that it's good to kind of highlight the weakness of your competitor. Yeah, well, it's, it's uh, here. I'll just hold it up so everybody can see what a beautiful <laughs> cover that is. <laughs> Available on Amazon. I got, I got my here okay. also. Talk about branding. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for, for reading, Fabi. Yeah, power three is triangulation. And um, it's, it's much easier for customers um, to understand who you are vis-a-vis -vis competitors. And if you, don't, if you don't stay in that space, like that's why Avis said, you know, we're number two. We're going to try harder. They're, they're triangulating against Hertz. Notice Hertz is a different color than Avis is, uh, and, and so is Nationwide and, and so on. Uh, national, sorry. But You've got to understand who your competition is so that you can mm -hmm. explain it well in a positioning statement to your customers because they make decisions with lots of information and a mm -hmm. lot of it relates to your competition. So know who the competition is. They may be good. They may be bad. 
There may also be little bits of what you do, but in the customer's minds, it's still very relevant. And then how are we different from them? And that's found in a, in a strong positioning statement. Exactly. And just going back to your, uh, your initial question, sorry to interrupt, but um, I think it's really interesting that most companies, like if you ask an employee what the mission statement is or what the brand is about, it, that a lot of them don't know. And just going back to messaging, that's so important because the foundation of it is who are you? What are you trying to get across? Every single employee, every single person should know the mission statement, should know the brand, should know. But a lot of times you reach out to somebody and go, well, what is it about? Or what's your mission statement? What's the culture about? And they're kind of like, well, I'm A, and they give their position name. And it's kind of like, this is what I do. And they really don't know beyond mm -hmm. that. And they say, these are our colors, and this is our logo. And mm -hmm. that's not the brand. The brand is the message and sort of what you are, uh, who you are, as you said. And so I think that's interesting to kind of build. I think people start at the top with the logo and the look. And, and, you know, my background is mm. design, so I love that part, but it's kind of like whenever we jump in at that top of the funnel, it's sort of like, uh, you got to tell me more because I right. just I need to know who you mm. are. Because if you build from backwards, it's sort of like painting a house before you've actually built the foundation. It's Absolutely. really exactly. You've got to get that. You've got to get the substance there. That's exactly right. And it's important for the management and the the C-suite to have a better understanding and to be on the same page of that messaging. Because when you get all of those guys, we have a planning sessions, we have planning sessions for our clients. So when you get all of them in one room and they have different ideas, that's when the real hard work begins, right, Peter? You got to get everybody on the same page to be able yep. to push out a consistent, concise message about that company. And, and if they are not on the right same page, it's going to pull in different directions and that ultimately can really hurt your business and the perception of your business. You know, on that question, Charlene, I mean, how many stakeholders should participate in, I guess, developing the brand then? I mean, if you have, let's say you have a company of 200 people, do you do 200 stakeholders or do you minimize no. that or kind of get that down to 10 to 15? No, who, who are the true, and, and every company should understand this. I mean, there are people who are the decision makers, people who make the hard decisions, and you've got to be able to, to just be okay with that and trust them and trust their knowledge, their ability, and trust them to have the right people in place and let them make the decisions. Uh, that, could be, that could be five people or that could be two people. It can be one person. It just depends on the company. But there shouldn't be that many cooks in the kitchen. I'm from the country. That's what we make a reference to. There's too many cooks in the kitchen. There's too many recipes in that stew. You know, you don't want to do that. So is it better to have minimal people then than to have a lot? Again, it depends on the company, I believe. And yeah, I, I, um, I, can, I think I, you're exactly right on in kind of gauging, uh, tempering up and down the number of people you need. In a small firm of 12 people, it's probably everybody. If it's a larger company, you choose uh, the C-suite is very important. Even the grumpy lawyer and the HR person, you know, they, they got to hey, be there. Hey, and then, and then you might have department heads. Um, and we've, been in, we've run some sessions where there's some really good business partners there, like really good customers with institutional knowledge of the firm. They're good. And then also um, uh, maybe board members, a selected member if you have a board of directors. But it is uh, anything more than 20 is very unwieldy. And, but what the beauty of this though, is that the group comes together. Um, we have our own process. I'm sure you guys have others. We have eight components, but the best part of it is because they're doing it together, not by consultants like me, they're, we're just facilitators. We're catalysts to get the words out of them. 
they're authentic to them, and then they're shared with everybody else, whether it's 200 or 2,000. And we uh, generate feedback from the rank and file and say, hey, guys, here's our five core values. One of them is challenge the status quo. Mm. Does this sound like some, our place here or what we, you'd like to work at a place where you can raise your hand in a meeting and challenge the status quo and say that workflow sucks. We, we should, we, we've been doing it forever. Uh, that customer onboarding program is terrible. We've been doing that forever. What can we do differently and not get fired over raising your hand in that? So it, it's got to be authentic to them, but they're, they're kind of lived on the inside, built on the inside, then shared with, with everybody beyond the key stakeholders. But you need less than 20. Yes. Corey, is, is it okay to copy someone else's brand? No, I wouldn't say so. I would say that you want something authentic to yourself. You want something genuine that speaks to you and that um, sort of uh, makes you unique in the space. So you want people to instantly recognize your mark, instantly recognize who you are from the look and from the feel, but, and then for that to be true and authentic all the way from the top to bottom. But, but I think what a lot of people try to do is they say, we want to be more modern. We want to be more techie. We want to, they start using these words and it's sort of like, they go with whatever the, the new thing is. Like, okay, the icons are now bubbled. They're now drop shadowed. They're now flat. And it's sort of like, that's just looks. That's, you know, those will continue to change. The core of who you are is not going to change. And so I think people always start at the, the look and feel and say, I like this and I like what they're doing. And inspiration is great. But directly copying somebody is sort of like saying, I don't know who I am, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's branding kind of, that kind of kills branding if you don't know who you are. <laughs> right. Strictly speaking of the mortgage market, I mean, and, and that's the market that I'm, you know, last Sunday was 27 years for me in the mortgage business, right? Wow. Congratulations. Wow. I don't look that oh, old. Nice. Yeah, I don't look 27. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> no. Premature. He must have started as a baby. Especially <laughs> right. you guys are only hearing me on like on Spotify. You know, I tell you, I, don't <laughs> I got a face built for podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I forgot what I was going to say now, but unfortunately, I'm sorry. I got caught about up about com competing logos or. Yeah, or what, I was, what I was getting at is, is in the mortgage business, it feels like there's so many mortgage companies. I don't know, there's like 3,000, yeah. 4,000 lenders nationwide. Yeah. How do we not all begin to sound the same? I mean, you know, we, we, we say stuff like, you know, we're not just numbers, we're, you know, one loan at a time, custom fit for your needs, we're a family atmosphere. And it's all like this big echo chamber inside the mortgage industry to me. How do you stop that from happening, Corey? For me, I feel like it has to, I always go back to being who you are, being genuine and being authentic. I know like hammer that in, but it has to be true to you, not just echoing or parroting what other people say, finding out what is unique about you. Because there is, every company has a culture and some people are really good at, you know, getting loans closed quickly. Other people are it, the stars at customer service. They And sometimes people don't really look at like who they are and then promote that. They sort of just mm. pair up the same phrases. So I would say to stand out is consistency, number one. I always say consistency, consistency, consistency. And people go like, well, what do you mean by it? It just means that just like with your podcast, you can't go on and do a podcast. And then do it one week, two weeks, and then the third week you skip it. And the fourth week you kind of do maybe, and then you start. People begin to feel that's who you are and that's your level of commitment. So for me, I think it's all about identifying where you really shine. Um, maybe that's about doing focus groups within your company. Maybe, that, maybe that's about looking at metrics. Um, maybe that's about identifying big wins that happen a lot. And then kind of going to the core of like, what are we really, really good at? 
Uh, mm. How do we really stack up against our competition? Maybe we're not going to compete with these people, but we can definitely compete with these people. Mm. And, you know, and then grow from there based on that and never lose sight of it. I think that's, that's huge for branding is just to keep a laser focused on, you know, that, that base that is holding everything else up. And I think that um, I've seen people rise and fall in mortgage industry and um, the brands that just consistently grow year mm-hmm. over year are the best. Cause you see a lot of them that go boom and then that's like it. It's kind of like they, yeah. they jump onto the scene. They put a lot of money behind it. They put a lot of people behind it and then they're not there anymore. The ones that you kind of see just consistently plugging away at it and going like, this is who we are. And mm-hmm. look, the metrics every year support that. Like we're not just saying that we do it. Here's now the proof Got behind it. it. Here's now we pull in Charlene and we get that PR out there about how we are doing more in technology if that's who we are. Or we're doing more in customer service if that's who we are. You know, so I think standing out is all about not say, not uh, just saying you are something, but actually being it and then consistently uh, hitting those marks and proving that that's who you are. So in well, my opinion. Pete, in your book, you talk a lot about cars and automakers. You know, the Saab, the Volvo, the, the, the Cadillac and the Chevrolet, I remember. And I think mm-hmm. there was another mention of another car. Oh, the, um, can't remember right now, but in the auto industry, this four wheels, it's an engine, <laughs> right? I mean, I know the mortgage business, we, we get a little bit more, but it seems like every year there's something new and improved, like the 2021 model is better than the 2020 model. How mm-hmm. does that, I mean, with the brand, how do you keep that kind of like going, moving forward? Like every year you're improving. Yeah, I, I think, um, it's, it's pretty cool to see the excitement around Tesla and, um, they're, they certainly have a why. I think of all the eight components of the brand strategy, the core values, which we talked a little bit about already, uh, which is how people behave internally. Uh, the other one is the why, uh, which is your vision. The vision for a better world you're trying to create. I mean, starting in 2030, you cannot buy a new car in California unless it's an electric vehicle. Mm. So they're ahead, they're ahead of the, the, the curve there, Tesla is. And when you find your why, which is, your vision for a better world for your customers and your stakeholders. It's not about how fast you want to grow or you want to be the biggest mortgage provider in New Hampshire. That's maybe a mission or a business plan, but your why, why people should care. Why should I work at this place? Mm. What is the better state of affairs, the better world you envision for your customers if you're successful with your mission, which is what you do. So companies that tap into their why always um, they just have a better, like Apple versus Dell, right? You would expect Apple to come out with some cool stuff. It's just who the, it's their why, what they're all about. It's just simplicity. Dell is cluttered and it's not as pretty looking and all those sorts of things. If you figure out your why, uh, Ford has been doing a great job lately, speaking of cars, of figuring out their why and working on working on the um, uh, the, the electric side as well. So. You know, if you spend the time and, and ask your people, you know, why do you come to work here? I, I talked to um, uh, uh, Arkady Coleman, who was the CEO of ING Bank until it sold to Capital One and subsequently screwed up by Capital One. But that's another story. <laughs> Arkady said, he said, I want to hire people. I want to ask people to work here. He'd say, you know, OK, great. You got your resume. You went to school. You have your BA. But he'd say to them, he'd say to them, um, what, what's your, what do you get jazzed about? What, what excites you? What, what, um, what's inside of you to want to come work here? Because he said, if you're not a saver, you can't work here because we call our customers savers. And he mm-hmm. said, the people that, that make the bread got to eat the bread too. So we, we want to have a, 
manage that culture so that internally our why is translated externally. And I tell you, I've never had a better relationship with a bank than I did with ING. They were just, just terrific to work for. Just 24-7 online service before anyone else had it. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. so it's, it's about the why, tapping into the vision for a better world. Not what you do or how you do it, but why, why we're here. What's the better world for our customers? Absolutely. And then being able to convey that, conveying that and being able to do so in a, an intelligent way is a challenge that some companies have. They, they, they are lockstep into what they don't want to do. They focus on that. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. Well, what do you want to do? Yeah, Can those you? are lawyer, lawyers. They scrub out all the good stuff out of the press releases, right? <laughs> you said that, Peter. I didn't say it. I'm not bitter. <laughs> Does it matter how big or small you are before you try to find your why, Charlene? And then try to put it in words? No, I no, I I think it can be. It should be at your core. Who are you? Why am I doing this? And it can help uh, attract those people to your company that can help you take it to the next level. And you being able to convey that succinctly. Listen to the people that you entrust your why to. Uh, mm-hmm. Trust those people who know the Peters and the Corys and. And, and the PR people who know what they're doing on their side and trust them with your why and let them be able to push that stuff out to, to folks who, who, who can help you um, share that why with the audiences that you want to reach. No, you can't. To answer your questions um, specifically, no, you're never too small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that goes to personal branding as well because in the mortgage industry, the unique part of that is is that um, let's just say Apple, Apple employees don't go around personally branding them and go, go to their neighbors and go to the store and go, Hey, I work at Apple. Like they're not, I can personally help you. Like come and call me to get, if you have an issue with your phone. No, I mean, that's not them, but in the mortgage industry, mm-hmm. we're unique that every single salesperson is their own brand under the, the larger brand. And so culture wise, you find your fit. I work with a lot of mortgage companies. I've worked with a lot of mortgage companies and you, you find that their culture really drives who fits there, who stays there and who sticks there. Right. And that's part of the brand as well. So where you have some companies where it's more like quick moving and fast and they want to get to the new thing. You have other companies where it's traditional and they want people who kind of are just very, very consistent and don't try to get you crazy. And then you have other people who, you know, they're, they're kind of somewhere in the middle or they have like, um, they want to do things like podcasts. They want to do like cool new stuff. And, you know, um, personal branding is very small under the larger brand. And, and you know this, Bobby, that, you know, you get salespeople who are like, I'm the so-and-so of my community. Like everyone in the community knows me, mm-hmm. Corey. So I need to be like Corey, your mortgage person, and then your brand, mm-hmm. but not the other way around. So we, you know, personal branding can never be too small. You want to, um, you know, match your larger brand, and then you want to bring that personal um, connection to the brand as a mortgage professional. And then you want to feel it supports you as a fit, but then you also want to brand yourself. You know, right. along with I think that. I'm branding myself, Corey. I remember this one guy years ago at this other company. He says, Fabio, well, what's your value proposition? You know what I mean? <laughs> And I hated that. It was like, it was like such a corporate wonky question to ask, right? <laughs> and I was like, my value proposition. I'm like, what, what do you mean? I mean, you know, like when I, tr- when I try to work with my sales guys, you know what I mean? I go through a series of questions to try to find out what their brand is. 
-hmm. that the right approach? I mean, it's not something like just like a value proposition, like you close loans really quickly. You know what I mean? Call me on yeah. fast. Hobby. Nobody on a human level fast at Bobby. that level is going to say, my value proposition is, well, let me get out my PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> no, you know this is why I'm wonderful. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be like, why did you choose mortgage? Most people fell into mortgage in some way or another. Most right. people right. go to school and when they said, I'm, I want to be a ballerina, I want to be a fireman, I want to be a mortgage <laughs> professional. You know what I mean? It was like, it's something people came to in sort of a roundabout way in whatever way they're in it. And why are they passionate about it? That's the right. kind of questions I would ask. It's like, why do you stay in it? You know, everybody, you can, mm. people can do whatever they want, need to do for, you know, a job or, you know, but salespeople, especially it's a, it's a passion. Like they love it. They, you find that they really like, they're always thinking about it. They're, you know, they're looking for those opportunities. They're always talking about it. So it's, I think it's a great approach to kind of say, what, why are you passionate about this? Like, what do yes. you love about it? Um, you know, how, what, what focus of it is the, your favorite part of it? You know, is it um, purchase? Is it veterans? Is it, you know, getting people, you know, is it just talking to the people? Do you love just right. like the interaction? So, you know, like some people just want to pick up a phone and do the lead things. Other people are like, I want to get in there with the realtors, right. and, you know, so there's all these different focuses, right. but they can all fit under your brand and they're each their own personal brand as well. So right. I feel more it's unique in that way. Pete, when you're working with big corporations or, or any size corporations, say big, but corporations, how do you guys know that you've actually achieved that brand that they that everyone can kind of stand on that same platform and say, yeah, this is what I want? Is there like a, a compromise? Is there negotiations? Or is it just a, a really a symphonic ending? So you're talking about like what success should be, ROI, mm -hmm. KPIs, et cetera, like that. Well, there's... Um, there are some non-financial precursors to financial things that you can you can test almost immediately when you're marketing, um, like like expressing your your new brand strategy, whether it's PR, uh, advertising, paid search, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and those are things like calls, emails, inquiries, you know, discussions your salespeople are having, just basic more activity. And then over time, whether it's six months or a year, um, if you track things methodically, intentionally. You will, you will see the financial piece come after those conversations. And it relates to what we just talked about with the, you know, the people that are out there in sales industries, pharmaceuticals, insurance, which we do a lot of work in mortgage, et cetera. Um, when you have an education hat on, your education hat, not your sales hat, but mm -hmm. I want to educate consumers first, um, it kind of reins in the ego a bit. And um, if, if a company is worried about salespeople out there with big egos and they're worried about it, I think there's a problem with the mothership brand itself. And that's a time to look at the, the company brand if your salespeople are getting bigger, bigger personnel, because you want your people out there. You want them networking. You want them in the community. So if they have big egos, that's a great thing. Make your, make your company a bigger tent then. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't mm -hmm. just Absolutely. be jealous of that. That is interesting. But yes. a lot of times it indicates a weakness in the, in the mothership brand. Like, do we have core values? Otherwise, people make it up as they go along. What, are, what track, mm -hmm. what lane are we asking people to run in? And a lot of people will choose with their feet and say, I don't want to work here. This, this is not a good fit. Okay, great. But at least they made, made an objective decision based on what the core values are. It, right. is, there, is there a time, Charlene, where the individual brand doesn't fit the co corporate brand and maybe I'm at the wrong company then? Yes. There, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I would definitely say so when they're, you cannot grow, you cannot grow your company. Just like Peter was saying, you could 
reach a point where you don't feel like you're going in the same direction or you have the same goals or you have the same why. And that could mean it might be time for you to leave or change, leave or change. Those, those are your options. Uh, because the company, if it, depending on the size of it, they're not, they might not be willing to change as much. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, it's, it's the size of the company. If it's a smaller company, they might be edgier and willing to change. They don't have boards to uh, contend with and they don't have lawyers mm. all the time to contend with. They can make those pivots, but larger companies are not going to, in my mind, in my experience, are not going to change as quickly as, as you would want, as the individual might want them to. And it, it would be time for them to either get in line or leave. What's more yeah. important, that the individual brand or the corporate brand? Because I do hear a lot of people saying, you know, I want to brand myself. I want to brand myself. I didn't I come up in the mortgage business like that. I think in the mid-90s, we were just out there hustling loans. <laughs> I'm brand, a hustler, yeah. baby. You know what I mean? This branding <laughs> thing was not a big, big deal, right? It was just kind of like, here's my car. Give me some deals. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, for those of us who kind of predate NMLS and predate all, you know, like yeah. we've been around and seen every iteration of this, it's sort of yeah. like, it's, inter- so it's, it's interesting. It's also individual loan officers want to have their own brand. And I, and I always wondered, like, is that really that important than the corporate brand or is the corporate brand more important than the individual brand? Ultimately, who's giving you the loan? Yeah. I mean, where need- are you getting the loan from? Are you getting it from that? Are they loaning it to you from their pocket? Well, no. I mean, let, let, let's say... Overall, not even the mortgage business. What if what if I'm selling cars? What if I'm selling insurance? Like you know, it's, Peter works as um, independent insurance agents. I, I can I can say that it's it's um, the the best brands are everything's connected. It's like a spider web. So mm-hmm. it's not a matter of who's more important. They're all important. For example, yeah. if once the loan is closed or the insurance policy is sold, what happens after that? What is the what is the customer experience with service yeah. with a claim? Right. Um, when I call 800 number, what, what's my experience there? So it won't matter how, how strong the salesperson is if the service sucks on the other end. So you, you have to manage all these different customer touch points equally. And that's why starting from the same piece of paper, your, your, your brand strategy will allow you to do that. Um, it's, it, they're all important, Fabi, to answer your question. I think um, brands are like, our, our favorite brands are like people. We we compare them with things, uh, and, and it's always getting ratcheted up, like Amazon, a great customer experience, right? Um, how does your website compare with Amazon? Probably not as well, um, but that's what we got to do. We got to continue to make these iterations. But I would say um, if you're going off the same page of core values, they're usually five statements, not things like the customer is always right, which is not even true. <laughs> but things like, um, well, like Tony Shea, you guys uh, heard that name, the late uh, CEO of Zappos. They have 17 core values. And to someone's earlier point about, about stay or go, um, one of their core values uh, is um, create fun and a little weirdness. So if you're not a fun person, you're not going to w- want to work at Zappos, and that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. It's the only employee manual you really need. So you'll be able to spot... Um, people who should come and go very quickly when you look at your core values. Mm. Um, but but it's, all, it's all important. They're all interrelated in the best brands. And I think that just kind of uh, building off that, especially in mortgage specifically, and also insurance and anything where you're dealing with strong salespeople, there are training programs, um, and I won't call any out, but there are training programs in the mortgage industry that encourage salespeople to do personal branding. 
and mm -hmm. to kind of keep their branding. So when they move from place to place, they care, they don't have to rebrand themselves every time. And so, you know, these things are kind of taught within the industry. And I think a lot of times people, salespeople come with a book of business and they carry that book of business with them. So I think the greatest success in branding in these types of industries for me is when I see those people adopting the larger brand. There'll mm -hmm. even be people who come in with DBAs and are like, we want to switch to this because you guys mm -hmm. did such a great uh, job. And I think that's from the recruiting point, the onboarding, the every touch point that they come into because in this industry and just kind of, yeah, I keep going back to obviously mortgage, but um, it's everything involved from the first person they talk to and the promises mm -hmm. made during recruiting and knowing that messaging, going back to what Peter said, it's like, Everybody, the recruiters all need to know that messaging. So people set the expectation, fulfill on it. Are they a fit? Are they not a fit? Don't try to rein them in and bring them on if they are not a fit. Right. It's just going to be misery for everyone. And should, if they are, the then they know right the from the get-go. You know what I mean? Should, should the corporation help with the individual brand for the salespeople? Should, should there be like this kind of like a marketing department that says, hey, we're going to create your website? How do you want it? Here are some options. Or do you say, hey, what is your, here's 12 questions that'll help us develop a brand for you? It depends, again, on the size of the company. Corey, I mean, it, if, if it's a large enough lender, they should be able to help them and have the marketing department to help them with that uh, in, their, in their locale. Because you're the, you're the expert who knows your locale, but these are the things that we can give you to help you be successful in that particular area. This is Absolutely. how we can help you. And uh, just uh, with all the mortgage companies that, that I've worked with, and it's classically sort of a tiered approach where you've got the, all the staples of the brand. You, they know who they are. Everybody knows everything about like the brand itself. And then let's say somebody is a veteran themselves. They have a large book of a business with veterans. That's their main focus. They do every type of loan, but they're very well known for being on some kind of message board as the expert in veterans loans. Okay, this is a situation where a personal brand can really build on the corporate brand and help right. that person to bring it home and be the veterans loan expert in Arizona or wherever they are. So right. um, absolutely the marketing department should be like, this is all of our core branding, but we can specialize it and build the layer onto it that supports you and your personal brand without breaking the major brand. You don't have to like, right go, oh, well, you like lime green, let's do lime green. You know, you don't have to like go so crazy. You can just kind of be like, this is the core of who we are and it totally fits into who you are. And so we're going to specialize it for you based on who you are. And the, the brand is like, it's like a layer, you know, it's just another layer that you put on top of it. Yeah. So absolutely, I think most companies should, you know, uh, have some leeway for that. And Corey, you just taught, you touched on a very, very important point. If there is a, a person with a strong enough brand in an area, they can help that company build their brand and what their capabilities are in the market, especially in the mortgage industry. If you bring on board someone who is an expert in VA loans or FHA loans or any particular kinds of loans, or they, they speak to millennials really well and they have a huge book of business in that, it can help expand the brand of that company of that mortgage lender and help them up and ratchet absolutely. them up and to I've another level. Happen. You're absolutely yeah. right. I've seen, yeah. it happen. I've seen it open entire centers in a certain area based off one person who had a, a really strong a success, model, right. a success model. And they came in and they were like, initially 
like this is who I am, this is what I do, but they adopted the, you know, kind of all of the other branding with the, mm. the company saying, look, we're going to carry your branding over. We're going to help you. And then now there's like, you know, it's grown a whole network there based on mm. that. So a lot of times you can miss opportunities by being too stringent, especially mm-hmm. in this type of industry. But um, you always want to, you know, temper ego with the fact that they've earned their spot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's how I feel about really uh, what I call superstars and rock stars in this type of industry. They've earned that place. And so they are, you have to weigh, weigh your needs with their needs and say, um, this is a brand. Hopefully you love it. This is what we're about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we love you because you're professional. We're professional. We have the same core values, but we're not going to tear yours apart because clearly that's why you're a multimillionaire. You're not I a mean, multimillionaire they, 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 because they you don't know what you're doing. Time, right? I mean, when they were interviewing with me, they should have vetted my brand. Exactly. I mean, in all honesty, yeah. they should have said, hey, you know, like in, to Peter's point, if you're not a quirky, funny kind of guy, I don't want to go work at Zappos. <laughs> Right. right. And all of a sudden you come right. in, you're the straight lace suit wearing guy. And these guys are running on t-shirts and shorts. And mm-hmm. you're like, I don't fit in. Well, you should see <laughs> that from the door. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so right. That's what I'm getting at is there shouldn't be this kind of a, a, a dysfunction per se. Right. At the point of to the corporate and the individual brand meshing together. Right. Uh, there shouldn't be a disconnect, I don't think. Yeah, if you're if you're talking to someone new, whether they're an associate, a consultant, an employee, if you start with the core values, this is this is what it's like to work here. Does this sound like a place you want to work? If you have that right away mm-hmm. up front, it'll change the whole interview. Um, right. And if people will mm-hmm. opt out if it's not a place for them, you don't have to even worry about firing them. They'll probably leave if everybody's kind of drank the same Kool Aid. Um, People need, they, they need lanes to, to run down. And so just like Corey, you know, when you give somebody a style guide for a logo, you know, here's the do's and don'ts of the logo, the size, the colors, et cetera. The same thing with messaging. Uh, if, if somebody wants to have their own website, you say, fine, here's the corporate look. Um, family photos are fine. You give them some parameters, but mm-hmm. I think people should have a lot of leeway. I mean, the best companies are human companies. They're, it's about the people. And in the sales industry, you've got to have great people who are out there front lines with the customer. And so not don't worry about ego and reining them in. If they if you have to rein them in, then you didn't have the right conversation in the first place. Right. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And I, I know we're getting close to the end here. So I want, I want to switch to social media platforms, right? Because obviously that's still growing, still out there, still like huge, right? I mean, Facebook, LinkedIn, I've got a TikTok account. My dog is hating me for it, but you know what I mean? <laughs> He's done Your dog videos needs for a TikTok, TikTok account. <laughs> Are you in Clubhouse yet? That's the question. <laughs> He's doing good. He's doing good. He's learned how to do the subtitles now. <laughs> awesome. So how do you as a corporation, can, can you control social media pages of employees and what they're choosing to brand in? Is that like, I was at one mortgage company and, they had me take some posts down of something that I'd done on my personal LinkedIn page because it didn't go with their brand. And I, I complied, but I was like, well, this is my personal LinkedIn page. Why are you worried about it? Uh, but where does that line get drawn, Charlene? I say it's a double-edged sword and, and you guys might not agree with me, but if you're going, it's like being a public figure. When you sign on for this, you kind of know what the rules of the road should be or if you're representing a company, you've you've got to fall in line with what their where their lane is, as Peter put it. You know, you know the you set up the lane, 
This is your lane. Don't deviate out of that lane. Your personal life is your personal life, but you're also representing that company outside. If you go to the grocery store with your logo shirt on of the company that you're working for and you are a, a mortgage originator and you somebody catches, you know, they, they, they want your attention because they want a loan or they need some questions answered, you're representing that company that's in your personal life. So I would say, yeah, you, you've got to kind of temper what you're doing in social media on your private page as well as your company page to make sure that you're representing that company in a way that doesn't uh, degrade its brand. And that's just... I, I, that's just the way it is. That's the way the ball bounces for me. That's what I tell my clients. Well, I agree. Corey, I think, you? yeah. And I think um, just from a real case scenario type of situation for social media, it's difficult to create, to control or to tell people what they can and can't post on personal. Um, I always recommend to set up business accounts, especially for a regulated industry like the mortgage industry. Um, when you've got regulations, you've got to say, you know what, if you talk about mortgages or you talk about the company, you must follow this set of parameters and guidelines. Mm -hmm. Where if you are, obviously, um, I've seen situations where people have gone in their personal um, social media and um, gone into territory that is uh, not anything to do with business, but poorly represents who they are as a person and their you know, obviously people will then find out where they work and will literally send messages to the company saying, is this your employee? Look what they're mm -hmm. saying to people Absolutely. about this political issue or whatever. Mm -hmm. And look what they just called me on social media. And right. this is like, absolutely, the company has to jump there and be like, look, we have not only brand guidelines and not only compliance guidelines, but we have a conduct, you know, kind of like a culture and a conduct that mm -hmm. we believe everybody should toe the line on. Now, um, I want to say that there should be some leeway as to if somebody wants to do a podcast or they want to do like a little radio program, they want to do um, videos about, you know, how to um, do something that has nothing to do with business, but then they want to tag at the end. And if you, you know, want any, want a mortgage, by the way, that's what I do. That's still mm -hmm. business. However, we kind of give them some leeway to be like, okay, you happen to also own a company that does uh garage doors or whatever like your wife owns that so you're co-branding with her so there's always these little gray areas where it's sort of like let's take a look at it let's make sure it doesn't insult the brand uh and the culture mm -hmm. um but where we can give some leeway let's give some leeway to you as a person your authenticity your genuineness and and who you are and and because social media gets really boring when it's just like i do loans rates are low Blah, blah, blah. I mean, who doesn't unfollow that after a while? You know what I mean? I, I mean, I follow like so many uh, marketing, branding, events, feeds that after a while, I'm like, I wish somebody was interesting. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I live for the moments when somebody can show me like, um, you know, hey, I'm obsessed with red vines. I eat like five red vines a day during my Zoom calls. That like makes me laugh. And I go, I remember that person. Or somebody's like, their cat's walking across while they're doing the video. And it's like, it's just the humanness that stands out. So I don't think you should be so controlling that you choke out the genuineness of the human being and the salespeople, but definitely have a set of very specific guidelines for what to say and not say, not just regulations and like your NMLS has to be on there and your EHL has to be on there, but just saying like, you know, obviously don't insult anybody, don't get political, don't get into religion, don't get, don't go in areas where you could alienate people 
or start arguments or what I call troll bait. You know, don't like, don't start, don't go into that area when you're representing the company. Right. You know what I mean? I don't know if you want to make an anonymous account, if you can't help yourself, but don't do it, you know, with the brand, with saying you work here. And right. so I think, right. you know, there's some, there's some balancing act there, but you're right, Charlene, it's a twitch sword for sure. And, and mm-hmm. the more social networks that pop up, the harder it is for um, high-level corporate marketing departments to manage. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are systems to help with it, but they're really, you this know, question real quick. Corey, hold on one sec. I got to ask Pete this question because it came up All in right. my thoughts when Pete Corey was talking. No, it's okay. Should a brand be strong enough to be flexible then? Because I was hearing Corey talk, I was hearing Charlene talk, and it felt a lot of flexibility there. Is that a core value then to be flexible enough? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're a law firm, maybe there's zero flexibility. <laughs> if you're an underwriter, an actuary, or somebody who prices out loans, maybe there's zero flexibility. But it, but it, 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 companies um, should be flexible. That's part of being human. We're flexible people, aren't we? And right. um, uh, or at least that's an attribute of somebody we aspire to be flexible, you know, mm-hmm. to, to be in better shape, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, being flexible is good. And what's cool, it, there might be different words to describe flexibility. Maybe it's responsive, um, a corporate buzzword. Um, I always want to play bingo with the word like pivot, but that's kind mm-hmm. of Companies that are flexible are able to switch and, and do something entirely different. We've seen examples of this during the pandemic, mm-hmm. right? Where yes. strong brands have suddenly just gone in a totally different direction. Zoom had like 10 million customers in January this time last year, and they went to 300 million in March. I mean, that that's like, that's being flexible. Now they had yeah. some issues with security, but they solved them. But for anybody who at least bought an account, they, they're, they're pretty secure. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, and, and I mean, we, we kind of joke about TikTok, but I mean, TikTok had a huge, like, brand oh. problem for or, or, or oh, a yeah. month ago. They seem yeah. to survive that storm. Let, let me let me just say something about social really quick, Bobby. People, I don't know why they jump into the fray and make it so hard with the, with the language of being right. And you see comments, 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 comments. Give me a good friggin' chili recipe, right? <laughs> Tell me how your kids are doing. Show me some pictures. Stop with the craziness. It, it's mm-hmm. it. You be human, you know, it's yeah. okay to have an opinion, but I mean, if people are shocked when, when they have people responding to them in a negative way, it's like, well, I'm going to post my own chili recipe then. Okay, great. That's now we're talking a great conversation. <laughs> yeah. It'd be really I hard to argue about a chili recipe. Everybody loves it. You know, what's well, weird is, is I there's post, turkey I post, and then there's beef. It's <laughs> Friday funny, right? On, on LinkedIn. I don't know if you guys see it, but every Friday. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> It's good. I've been posting it for like two and a half years, right? And I it's sort of, great. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. But I had a typo a, a few months ago, a, ty- a one-word typo. Uh-oh. Oh, how dare you. And some guy yes. commented, hey, by the way, this is funny, but this word is misspelled or something, right? Aye, yeah, yeah. Like, two and a half years, that's the only comment you made. Wow. <laughs> you never said, hey, Fabi, that's funny. Hey, Fabi, happy new year. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Yeah. I can take this offline and tell you about it, but no, I'm going to play it right here on your post. I got an idea, bud. <laughs> I mean, I, you know my language, Pete. I mean, I try to control it on social media as best as possible. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it and, is funny. I mean, it feels like on social media, people's personalities change, and all of a sudden they get steroids or something, or they're hiding behind the screen, as I've heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not the same yeah. personality. It's, yeah, it's crazy. They, yeah, it's it's they feel no there's no immediate repercussions because you're behind this keyboard and you can just say whatever you want. What kind mm-hmm. of 
vitriol and it's just it's it's scary and it's sad but um i i prefer to get that that chili recipe or where did you find those shoes or can uh -huh. i get that purse that little out you know the dinosaur purse in the background where'd you get that that's social meat social mm -hmm. social right. Right. and we always that's... tell people when we train them on social media we always tell them social media is the backyard barbecue for most part maybe not linkedin but for the most part it's a backyard barbecue it's not a presentation or a seminar. So you're right. not giving a lecture or a seminar. People are not there to hear you speak about what you do for a living, um, unless it's LinkedIn specifically. Mm, right. But um, most social is like, if somebody was going around the barbecue going, I do mortgages. Hello, I do mortgages. Hello, yeah, Corey, I'm, I do mortgages. You, you'd stay away from that <laughs> Just person. run away. Like, yeah. Right, right, you would have right. So, you know, in the course of finding out that they make the best guacamole in the planet, you can also mm. find out that they are a mortgage professional. If you're like, oh, remember that girl we met that had the guacamole recipe? She is mortgage. <laughs> Let's call her. So, right. it's, you mm. know, I tell them, like, social media is about not getting people to unfollow you because they're so bored with your content. You know, you want to, and they want to identify you with something, you know? So the human. The, yeah, the human. It's the part. human part. Social is social yeah. is social. Yeah. We are coming to the end here, but the one thing I'm going to take away that all three of you individually said, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but you guys kept repeating the word human. Yes. And to me, I think for 2021, being more human may be the right answer. Yeah. Uh, I really picked up on that on this on this one hour or this little conversation we just had. I think being my pet, pet peeve word last year was authentic. Everywhere I went, everyone was using the word authentic, right? And I'm tired of that. I think being human is just a little bit more of what I can live with. Be, being human and being significant, of significance to other people and stop worrying about your own success. Help other people. Right. That would be a wonderful thing if we all did that in 21. Yeah. Right. That's be awesome. human and don't be afraid to show that you are human. Be vulnerable with your human humanness. I think That's the right. pandemic brought that out in a major yeah. way in the fact that people, I've been working from home forever. That's kind of my MO. That's been my life for a long, long time. But um, I always had to kind of put on more of a front of where I was or what I was doing or, you know, the office environment or, you know, if my cat walked into the room. I mean, the classic uh, example is the guy whose little kids come running in and the wife comes in and snaps the little <laughs> kid out. And, you know, and nowadays we're like, whatever, that's fine with us, you know, because we come to the place where we realize, look, everyone is human. We're all doing these jobs and mm -hmm. we kind of keep this facade of professionalism. And going back to branding, yeah. I feel like if you have the foundation of the brand, all this other stuff of being human and be adding the human side to it is is easy. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like the brand mm -hmm. is in place. It's the foundation of everything else you do as a professional within that realm. So absolutely, I think we all, um, I love what, what has happened with how people are more able to kind of just talk like this and be. Yeah, and show their humanness. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. 100. Right, guys, listen, we are at the end here. I really, really can't thank you guys enough for giving me your time today. Uh, this has been wonderful for me. I hope some people got some nuggets out of here that they can use in their life and start branding themselves a little bit more human. And with that, I thank you all once more and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Laugh, Lend and Eat, the podcast. Once again, thank you to our sponsors, First Option Mortgage and one good one staffing services. We have enjoyed all the comments we have been receiving, please keep them coming. To be notified of any updates, please be sure to subscribe to Laugh, Lend and Eat on the listening platform of your choice. Thank you for listening and have a great day.